very easy to give up hope, to get dismal about the world around us. But come on, do we see with that God lens that God is behind it all, that he will bring all things to the good of those that love him, that we can trust him amongst all of it, that his plan is to bring his kingdom here to earth. Come on, do we see with the God lens or do we just see with our natural eye? Are we hearing it? You know, a few weeks ago, I had a a call from school and our little boy Zion had had some tests at school and he had a hearing test and then an eyesight test and they said his hearing test was completely fine, which to be honest, I was a little surprised at because sometimes he doesn't hear me and it's not because he's a naughty boy. It's, I seriously thought, you know, he just mustn't be able to hear me sometimes, but then he also had an eyesight test, and the, the, they said to me, the school, you know, you need to take him to uh, an, uh, an optometrist to have his eyes checked because he failed the eyesight test. So I took him to the optometrist, and they tested his eye, and the optometrist said to me, his left eye is working perfectly fine, but his right eye is what they called a lazy eye. It's, it's lacking sight. It hasn't got the right side, and he said, if we don't correct it, It will turn completely into a lazy eye, which means it just shuts down and the other one does all the work. And as I was preparing this, I felt God say, now our little boy has had to get glasses to correct his sight. And I felt like God say, if we don't get the correct lens when it comes to our faith, it is so easy for us to turn lazy in our Christianity. It's so easy for us just to settle It's so easy for us to get comfortable. It's so easy for us to go with the flow in life rather than believing, pressing in for what God has got for us. It's so easy just to settle rather than seeing the God dream for your life and stepping into the supernatural. Come on, how do we see? Do we have that correcting lens of faith? Do we see things through faith. See, our faith, it's got to be our own. We cannot come to church on a Sunday morning and just expect our faith just to be carried through the whole week because we've come to this pumping church service. You know, the preacher has spoken about faith and we're all stirred up and amped up or maybe we hang out with a friend who's full of faith and so we get all stirred up and amped up. But then we go home and we see all our circumstances and we're like, oh boy, there's no way it can work here. Like, there's no way. We have got to carry faith on the inside of us. See, the very essence of faith is against our circumstances. It cannot be dictated by circumstances. It's got to be something on the inside of us that we know, that we know, that we know what God has said. There's got to be something on the inside of us that is alive in faith. That is the kind of faith that God has called us to, alive in his word, alive in faith. Faith isn't just some nice beliefs that we have. And think about maybe when we come on a Sunday morning, no, faith should impact every part of our day. Every part of our world, it is living, it's breathing. Come on, that, that, it's that kind of faith. A, a little while ago, God woke me up with this thought, do we tag onto the faith of others or do we have a catalyst faith? Do we tag onto the faith of others or do we have a catalyst faith? See, 13 years ago when my hubby and I got married, we, 
went away on honeymoon together, our first holiday together. We went to the Gold Coast and we were living in New Zealand at that time and we very quickly discovered that we holiday in very different ways. My idea of a holiday is just to lie on the beach all day to read a book, who's with me, pitch a perfect holiday. But Craig always has to be doing something. He wants a plan. He's got to, there's got to be something to do. We've always got to have something to do. And so we discovered that we holiday very, very differently. So all that week we had to do stuff. There was theme parks that had to be done. There was shopping that I gladly went on. 13 hours later, Craig had no idea what he got himself into. Shopping is the one thing that he has to keep up with me on. But there's something about him that there's this catalyst. And I love the fact that payback is happening now because we have this little six-year-old boy who's exactly like his daddy. So six o'clock in the morning, he comes to our room. He's like, what are we doing today? What's going to happen? What's the plan today? And like a good wife, I just turn over to go back to sleep and say to him, buddy, check with dad. He's the one with the plan. (laughs) But see, there's something in them that's this catalyst. Come on, we've got to do something. Come on, we've got to see something happen, and our faith should be like that. Come on, there's got to be something in us that we see change take place. Come on, God has called us to, in Ephesians 3 verse 20, life he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above anything we could possibly ask, think, or imagine. Come on, he's called us to change the world around us. John 14 verse 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Luke 10 verse 19 says, says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. Come on, we are called to bring change. We are called, a catalyst is something that incites activity, that starts activity. Come on, we are called to be those types of people, that we incite activity, that we get something going for God's kingdom, for his glory, that we see that take place, is that in us, that we carry our own faith. An amazing example of this is an incredible woman we've just recently had come into our church in Life Melbourne, and recently she lost her mom, and her mom was her hero, an amazing woman, and they had 13, her mom had 13 children, which is just crazy, amazing woman, And it was later on in life that she found God, and her faith statement for her family is that every one of her kids would know God. Every one of them would know Jesus. And her husband wasn't a believer. He refused to go to church, refused to believe in Jesus. But she stood on her own, declaring that her kids, standing in faith, that every one of her kids would know God. Joelle, this lady in our church, her daughter, said that she would wake her up at 4 a.m. in the morning, knock on her window, and say, come and pray with me. Let's pray for our family. And they would pray for the next hour, praying for every single one of those kids. And you know, to this day, they're all grown up now. Every single one of those 13 children know Jesus. Every single one of them. (laughs) That is not a coincidence. That doesn't just happen. That's because a woman chose to stand in her faith statement. She chose not to just survive 13 children, which would be a faith statement enough in itself, but she chose to stand that every one of her children would know Jesus. 
Come on, what are we standing for? What are we believing for? As 2016 starts, what kind of faith statement are we believing for? What change are we expecting for God to bring into our lives? So what I want to do this morning is just look at two things where faith acts as a catalyst, how we can have faith that acts as a catalyst. And the first thing is seen beyond what is. Seen beyond what is. Now, it means that we aim for God's standard, not settle at what is. There's a very popular saying, I don't know whether it's popular in Sydney, but we found moving to Melbourne that it was very popular. And then when something like a challenge happened, people would be like, you know, well, it is what it is. What will be, will be. And to be honest, it kind of irks me a little bit. It kind of stirs me a little bit. Because as Christians, that's the exact opposite to how we are called to live. God says that we are called to bring his kingdom here on earth, that we are called to bring his standard here on this earth, that we're not just called to settle at what is, whatever happens. No, we are called to bring difference. We are called to bring his kingdom. What an incredible privilege. What an incredible responsibility to bring his kingdom here to earth. And he has called us to do that. Now, there's been many times through our lives that we have had to make that choice to do that. I remember when we first got married, it was a popular thing during that time for everyone in church who got married just to take a year, uh, just to, you know, enjoy the marriage and settle in the marriage. And it was kind of this whole thing that people did. And, and so we got to that time in our marriage, but it just didn't sit right with us. Now, just because something is the trend to do doesn't mean that it's the right thing. And so we took time to actually go to God, God, what do you want us to do here? And we really felt that verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. And so we gave ourselves to God's kingdom more than ever before we became the assistant youth pastors in our first year of marriage. And it's been the best thing that we ever did, sowing ourselves in God's kingdom. Because how often do we just settle in things because it's how things have always been done? How often do we just settle? Do we allow things because it's the way it is? It's the way it's always been. Come on, what is God asking us to have a God word on? Maybe it's to do with your workplace. Come on, he's called you to be the light of the world. He hasn't called you just to settle in your workplace and not to see change take place. Have you got a God word when it comes to your work environment? Come on, it may be in your marriage. You can settle with your marriage just sinking. Well, you know, we're just, it's not that great and it'll just always be like that and they'll never change. So it's just what I'm stuck with. Come on, God doesn't want us to live that way. Have we got a God word when it comes to our marriage? God's word says that he can change the heart of a king. Come on, he can bring change into your environment. Come on, have you got a God word when it comes to your kids, your kids that don't know God? Are you just settling for that? Are you fighting for your kids? Come on, getting down on our knees on the word of God that says that the heart of our God is that not one person would not know him. Are we standing on that word of faith and going, right, I'm standing for my kids. I'm believing in faith that every single one of our kids, no matter how bad it looks right now, would know Jesus Christ. 
come on, are we standing on the God word? Are we just settling at what is? We're called to be people that bring breakthrough. I love what Isaiah 59 verse 19 says in the New King James Version. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift a standard against him. Come on, when the enemy comes like a flood, when it seems like all darkness is against you, God says that he will bring a standard against him. Are we standing for that standard? Are we just allowing the enemy just to do whatever he wants to do in our lives, to come like a flood and just ruin us? Are we standing on God's word, on God's standard and believing for breakthrough? Is this making sense? Our little girl, Hope, she's absolutely beautiful. She looks just like her daddy, blonde hair, long blonde hair, blue eyes, and she just has everyone's heart that meets her. She's a real people person. Ask anything of anybody. We'll go up to anybody. And, and she loves chocolate. Absolutely loves it, like her mama in that regard. And she knows how to get the chocolate that she wants out of people. And uh, there's we at our church offices, we also lease them with a few other offices, a few other companies. And there's this company that works right next to us. And they love Hope when she comes into the office with us. They have this little jar of chocolate set aside for her. So she can come anytime she wants and just dip her finger and get chocolate. And, you know, it was just getting ridiculous. She would go into the office and come back with chocolate all over her face and then like three or four chocolate bars in her hands. And so eventually I just went to them. I said, look, guys, you know, I love it how you give hope chocolate. That's great. But can we just, you know, just make sure it's just one chocolate at a time, not so many? And, and they laughed and, and they said, well, we did say that to Hope, that one's enough. But, but she said to us, yeah, but mum said that I, I need to take one for Zion. And, and mum said that I need to take one for dad. And mum said that I need to take one for mum. And, and she's learned this art of but mum said. And kids' church as well, the leaders come and tell me that they'll say something, no, I hope you can't do it. And she'll be like, no, 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 no. But mum said, but dad said. And she's learned that the fact that those words carry a certain weight. But mum said, but dad said. And she has learned to get what she needs by using those words. You know, in our life, do we know what those words, do we know what we can access because of those words? But dad said, but our dad said, when I'm feeling down and like I don't look that great today, I don't feel that great, but dad said that I am perfectly and wonderfully made. When I am feeling fearful and I don't feel like pressing into what he's got for me, but dad said that he did not give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love and a sound mind. But dad says, come on, when I'm not seeing my healing, but dad said that I am healed. When I feel like I'm not the light of the world right now, dad said, but dad said I'm the light of the world. Come on, do we stand with but dad said? But dad said. Do we stand with those words, but dad said? Come on, if we took hold of those words, but dad said, it would change our lives and the generations around us. My dad is my hero. He's come from an incredibly broken background. He was a product of rape, and 
He was abused as a child and he tells this story when he was 18 and he just met God and he was walking down the street one day and he just said it was like something clicked on the inside of him. And he said, I just made the decision right there and then that none of those other things would dictate anymore what my life was going to look like. And I made the choice to stand on God's word, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the plans I have, I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And dad said he stood on those words rather than the words of you're just a victim of rape, you're an accident, nobody wanted you here. And he stood on God's word and said, and I've seen what God has done in my dad's world. An incredibly amazing story of redemption where dad left school as a 14-year-old with no business, nothing behind his name whatsoever. He's now, he owns businesses all over the town that we live in. All five of us kids love Jesus, serving Jesus. And I've seen God redeem my dad in a amazing way because he stood on God's word rather than what other people and what life said about him. Come on, our lives, the generations beyond us would change if we stood on, but dad said, but dad said. The last thing is that we've got to see beyond ourselves. See beyond ourselves. We are not just random people walking this earth we are sons and daughters of the living God, and we have authority wherever we walk. We carry his authority, not because of us, but because of who our dad is. Now, my parents have a holiday house, this beautiful beach in New Zealand, and it's an amazing place. And every time we go back, I walk into their house. I go to the fridge. I open the fridge door. I get whatever food I want. I sleep in whatever bed I want. I use all the towels, all the linen, whatever I need in that house. I own it like it's mine. I did nothing to earn that house. I, did no, I didn't help in any way to build that house. But because it's my dad's, I walk in like I have complete authority, like it is mine. And we are called to live this way here on this earth. This earth is our dad's. It's our heavenly father's. And we are called to walk with authority. We are called to walk with that knowledge that this is our dominion. This is not just the dominion of the enemy. No, my God has mantled me and called me to bring his kingdom here on this earth. So I'm going to walk with that kind of confidence and that kind of authority, knowing who my God is, knowing who my king is, knowing who he's called me to be. See, in the word of God, faith and authority, they go hand in hand. We've, for the sake of time, we haven't got time to look at it, but in Matthew 8, it talks about the power of the centurion. And this, this he's got a servant that's sick, and, you know, uh, he, he uh, sends word to Jesus, and he says to say the word, and, you know, my servant will be healed. And Jesus says to him, I can come and heal for them. Heal him if you want. And the centurion says, don't come and heal him. I'm not a man worthy for you to come and tomorrow. Just say the word, he says, and you will be healed. Because I am a man under authority. I understand authority. I understand the authority that you carry, Jesus. He was an incredible man. And Jesus says this at the end of this parable. It says, I have never seen such faith in all of Israel. See, he was a man that understood the authority of Jesus, that just with a word, Jesus can heal. But he also understood his own authority, the authority that he carried as a soldier. He understood it. And because of that, it unlocked great faith. Come on, faith and authority, they go hand in hand. 
Do we realize the authority that we walk in as his sons and his daughters? See, it's amazing. Just as we finish, I just want to look at where our authority comes from, and it comes from what is written. The word author and authority, they, came from, they come from the same root word because what is written gives one authority. If you think about it, police, they have authority because of the written word of the law. Judges have authority because of the law, the written word of the law. Teachers have authority because of the written word that's been passed from one generation to another. We have authority because of what is written. We know the author of life. We have this, what is written, as our authority. Come on, even Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, he didn't stand on the fact that he was the son of God. He stood on the fact of what is written. When the enemy tested him, he said, nah, uh, uh what is written is this. What is written gives us the authority that we need to stand on. The amazing thing is if you look at that passage in the desert where the enemy tempts Jesus in Luke 4, verse 5 to 7, it says, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anybody that I want to. What a lie. The enemy didn't have that kind of right. He didn't have that kind of privilege to give that away to Jesus. Jesus already had it. He didn't have that authority. You know, the enemy will try and claim what's not his. Have you ever had somebody try and claim something from you that was not theirs to claim? Every Friday afternoon with my kids, we go to McDonald's after school, and it is just manic at that time of the day. So many other parents decide to do the same. And there's mums just looking like they need a triple shot coffee because things are just crazy. There's kids just whining everywhere. I want my burger. And you go, you pay for your order at the counter and you get given a receipt. And you go and then you wait for your number to be called out with your receipt. It's got your number on it. And you wait for that time and then your number comes out. And there may be another little kid that thinks that, you know, it's his turn to get his meal. But I have the receipt and I put the receipt down. I'm like, sorry, buddy. I know we're meant to care about hungry children right now, but my children are those hungry children. And they're about to turn hangry and I've got to get this food into them. And because I have that receipt, I get what is rightfully mine. This is our receipt. It's the receipt for our healing. It's the receipt for our freedom. It's the receipt for living in, with complete confidence. It's the receipt for our peace. It's the receipt for our hope. It's the receipt for everything we need in our life. Come on, are we using this as our receipt? Come on, it's the receipt that we need in life. Whose voice are we listening to? Are we listening to God's voice? Everything that he's paid for us. Come on, he came, he died on the cross that we could have the fullness of life that he wants for us. Whose voice do we listen to? Just as we come to our close, the other day, our little boy Zion came home from school and I watched him look in the mirror and he was kind of pulling his fringe back like this. And I said to him, mate, what are, what are you doing? 
what's going on? And he said, oh, no, a little, little girl at school said that when I pull my hair back like this, that I look like a girl. Mum, mum, do I look like a girl? I said to him, nah, buddy, you're so manly. You're awesome. There's no way you look like a little girl. And he said to me, yeah, it's like in Shrek, hey, when like Shrek talks to the little boy, this is in Shrek 3, and he says to him, just because people say that you are something doesn't mean that you are it. And I said, yes, buddy, that's right, lessons from Shrek. But I said to him, mate, right now, you've got to start to make a decision. You've got to start to listen to what we say about you, not what other people say about you. You've got to listen to our words because we love you the most and we've got the best for you. And I pray as a mum, one of my biggest prayers is he makes that decision to listen to our voice about every other voice that surrounds him in life. And you know, this morning, I just, I really feel the Father heart of God towards us saying the same thing. Come on, there are so many voices that surround you in life. But would you listen to his voice? Would you choose to listen to what he says about you? Would you choose to stand on his word? Not the words all around you, but his word. Because he loves you more than anything else in this world. And he's got the best for you. Would you stand on what he says? Not what others said. The choice is ours. The Bible says he puts before us a choice of life or death. And he says so clearly, choose life. Are we choosing life? Today, right now, I want to just ask you the question, have you chosen life? When we make the decision to walk our life out with Jesus Christ, we make the decision to choose life. The Bible says the enemy comes to rob, steal, and destroy, but Jesus Christ came to bring life and life in all its fullness. That's why he came and died on a cross so that we could come to him just as we are and have eternal life. And I want to ask you the question this morning, do you know Jesus and the life that he has? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? You may be here and once you had one, but if you're to be honest, you are not walking in connection with God. You may just be settling in life, just allowing whatever comes across your path to dictate who you are and how you feel, but God's got more. He's got far more, and He wants you to make the decision to choose Him, to choose life. And right now, in a few minutes, I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes everybody here. And I'm going to ask you, just in a few minutes, when everybody's got their eyes closed, if that's you and you want to make a decision today, hey, I want to choose life. I want to allow God. I don't want to do this on my own anymore. God never designed us to do life on our own. It was always with the intention of doing life with Him. And I'll right where you said, and I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands and say, hey, that's me this morning. As a sign to heaven, as a sign to Jesus, saying, hey, I want, I'm want. i not going to ask you to do anything else, but just where you're seated, put up your hand and say, hey, that's me. As a sign to heaven today, it's a sign to Jesus, I want you, Lord. I surrender to you. 
So just why don't we do that? Why every person has their eyes closed just to give people privacy. If you know that you are here and you're not choosing life, you're not choosing Jesus, then right now on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to put up your hand as a sign to him, as a sign to Jesus that, hey, God, I choose you today. I want to do life with you. I choose to surrender to you. I choose to have you part of my world. And like I said before, if this is also for you, if maybe you once lived with God, but you know that other things have just got in the way, you know that you are settling and he's got so much more for you. He's got life and life in its fullness. But right now, you're not choosing that. And today, you want it to be a new day. So just where you're seated, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands to heaven to choose Jesus this morning. So one, you've never made this decision before. And this morning, you're saying, hey, I want God in my life. Number two, you're coming back to Jesus and saying, hey, I want life and life in its full. Three, right now, why don't you put up your hand if that's you this morning. You're saying, hey, I God, I want you in my life. Come on all over this auditorium this morning. You're saying, hey, I know that that's me. I'm choosing to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord this morning, to do life with Him to surrender to Him right now. Come on, who is there this morning? You'd say, hey, I know that that's me. I choose life this morning. I choose life. Come on, this is the most important part of our service right now, people choosing Jesus. Come on, who else is there? You'd say, hey, I know that that's me this morning. I know I need to choose Jesus. I know I need to choose life. I know I need to do life with Him, journey with Him. Just one last moment of, if you know that that's you in this place and you've got to choose life. Fantastic. Well, just as we close, what we're going to do is just, just keep your eyes closed, head bowed, just to give people, again, privacy. But if you know that you're here and the start of 2016, you're just saying, you know what? I need a whole freshness of faith. The Bible says that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And you're saying, you know what? I just need to have a fresh sense of faith going into this year. I need God to come and just birth fresh faith, to breathe fresh faith right now. Just right where you see them, why don't you raise your hands? And I'm just going to pray with you where you are. Fantastic. So many people just putting up their hands. It's awesome. Come on, just keep them going. Um, I just want to pray for you where you are. Jesus, right now, I pray, God, for every single person that's putting up their hands and saying, you know what, at the start of 2016, God, I want fresh faith. Father, you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And right now, God, I pray that you would deposit a newness of faith. Right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would birth faith and faith in all its fullness. God, that it's not by might, not by power, but it's by your Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. Bless you. Love you. I hope you've enjoyed today and got something out of the Word. Thank you so much.